Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichol. And today we're talking about the servicing seven. These are the seven tactics you could use to keep investing, even when the debt-to-income ratios come in. And we went through these at our recent webinar where we introduced the servicing seven. Now remember, servicing is the income side of your mortgage application, and these are the seven ways to keep investing. Andrew, what's number one? Number one is invest in new builds. So new builds are exempt from the new DTI rules. So if you buy an existing property, you need to show that you've got A, enough deposit, B, you can afford the mortgage, even if interest rates go up, and now C, that your debt is less than or equal to seven times your income. Now with new builds, you don't have to worry about that third test. You still need to show you've got enough deposit, you still need to prove you can afford the mortgage, but you don't have any assessment around your debt versus your income. And that's why when the Reserve Bank did some of their modelling, it estimates that you can grow your portfolio up to twice as fast if you invest in new builds versus existing properties. And we went through the numbers at the webinar, and we'll also cover this on an upcoming episode. Now, of course, just keep in mind that we here at Opus Partners, you know, we obviously help people invest in new build properties. So, of course, we're going to highlight that new builds are exempt. But there are lots of other ways you can keep growing a property portfolio without investing in new builds as well. Keep that in mind. That's why it's the servicing seven rather than the servicing buy a new build of Opus Partners. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So the second way you can do it is using alternative lenders. So people like non-bank lenders. So the new DTI rules only apply to registered banks. So those are businesses like ANZ, ASB, SBS Bank, TSB. They don't apply to non-bank lenders, people like Resimac, Avanti, Bluestone, Liberty, Pepper Money, Squirrel Money, all of those people. So that means that if you go to a non-bank lender, you can just stick with the current rules and you don't have that additional DTI test. Now, of course, non-bank lenders are a bit more expensive. If we look at Resimac, their current prime rate for the one year is 7.99%. That compares to about 7.39% advertised by some of the other major banks. So Resimac is at least 0.6% higher per year, and you are much less likely to get a discount compared to if you go to a main bank. So definitely, non-bank lenders are more expensive, but they could also help you grow your portfolio quicker. Number three is commercial property. So commercial properties don't come under these new rules. And I think this is something that's been missed by a lot of people because Commercial properties aren't included in the exemption category, so you might think, oh, well, that's not exempt. But the new rules are specifically for residential mortgage lending. So you can go and buy a commercial property and you don't fall under the DTI assessment. Yeah, so when the banks do it, they'll make sure, again, you've got enough deposit that you can afford the mortgage, but they don't have to do that DTI assessment. Now, one thing I've been thinking about if you buy an existing property and then a new build, the new build doesn't fall under the DTI test. If you buy a new build first and then an existing property, then of course you're tested because you're doing the non-new lending second. Now, would that be the same with a commercial property? Yeah, so I suppose what you're asking there is if you go and buy a commercial property, take on all of this debt, could that make it harder for you to go and buy an investment property or upgrade your own home? Now, the rules are a little bit unclear, but my reading of it is, yes, that could count against you. And the reason is that when you go and apply for lending to go buy your own home or an existing investment property or a holiday home, it's any debt that you are legally responsible for. So if you go and buy a commercial property in your own name, you are legally responsible for that debt. So when you go to upgrade your own home, that debt will count as part of your application. 
There is an exemption for business debt though, Andrew. So if, for example, we here at Opus, we went and bought a commercial property for our own offices, that commercial debt probably wouldn't count. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe we'll seek some more clarification from the Reserve Bank. And do you think that's because they don't want to slow down business growth? I think it's because they uh, probably looked at the numbers and said, what poses the biggest risk to our financial system? It's residential mortgage debt and people taking on too much residential mortgage debt. It's probably not as much on the commercial side. And I've also had a couple of questions about how long is a new build exempt for, right? And the point is, it's only exempt at the point that you're taking the debt out. So when you go and apply for a mortgage for a new build property, you just don't have to do a DTI assessment. When you go and apply for lending to upgrade your own home or to buy an existing property, again, you're legally responsible for that debt. So that debt starts to count. That's my read of it. I hope and I wish that, the, that, that banks didn't apply those rules, but that's how I think they're going to interpret it. I'd be surprised if the banks didn't calculate it that way. I agree. Number four is to buy cheaper properties. Now, if you want to buy an investment property, but you can't afford to spend a million bucks in Auckland or $800,000 in Auckland or one of the other major cities, then you might want to start to look at where properties are cheaper. Because of course, if you buy a cheaper property, you'll take out a lower mortgage, there's less debt. So if you've got a lower income, you might be able to buy a cheaper property, but not a more expensive one. That pretty much makes sense. And there are 18 council areas in New Zealand where the median sale price is less than $500,000. That's about 29% of all council areas in New Zealand. Now, just bear in mind that it's not 29% of our population. It's not 29% of where people live. It's 29% of council areas, about eight of them in the North Island, 11 of them in the South Island. Now, the cheapest was Grey District in the West Coast. Average property price there was, it's, it's not much higher than $300,000. Now, we generally don't recommend people go invest to the West Coast because it's the only region where the population is shrinking. It's our smallest region in New Zealand. There are some things we don't like about it. We've done a whole review on it and podcast on it in the past, but some people invest in the West Coast and are very successful at it. So all I'm trying to say is don't let the fact that the median sale price in New Zealand is $780,000 because not every property is $780,000. There are some places where properties sell for much, much less. And in fact, we've got an episode coming up over the next few days about the best places to invest in New Zealand that are under $500,000. Number five is borrow outside the guidelines. So up to 20% of banks lending to investors can have a DTI above the seven times your income. Now, roughly one in five investors mean, sorry, and so that means that one in, so that means that roughly one in five investors can go outside of the DTI rules. And you could be that one in the five, especially when interest rates get really high again and there's fewer people applying for high DTI lending anyway. The bank is going to have that allocation and they're going to assess whether or not you're a suitable person to borrow at a higher than seven times your income rate. And the other thing is the bank's got this certain allocation of high DTI lending. And if they've maxed it out for this month or this quarter, well, no worries, maybe you can fall into that allocation next month or next quarter when it becomes available again. Now, number six probably won't surprise many people. It's increasing your income. Obviously, the more income you have, the more you can borrow, the more likely it is that you are able to then go and invest in property. Now, Kiwi household incomes tend to go up by around 4.1% a year anyway. So the amount you can borrow will continue to increase over time. But there is more incentive for you to try and grow your income. 
That could be asking for a pay rise. It could be switching roles or companies to get that higher income. It could mean taking on extra responsibility so that you get a promotion. I've got to tell you, the thing that has grown my income fastest over the last 10 years of being in the workforce has always been taking on more responsibility than I'm paid for. One of my favorite quotes is, when you do more than you're paid to do, you will eventually be paid more for what you do. And if I think about it now, every single job I had, especially early on, I was working long hours trying to show that I was worth being paid more. Show your value. Yeah, and that businesses and employers should pay me more money because they want to keep me. And now Andrew probably regrets that. (laughs) Um, So, you know, when you do more than you're paid to do, you'll eventually be paid more for what you do. So if you can take on that responsibility, you will eventually get a promotion. The other option that I know one listener of the show has used is the earn baby earn strategy. What he did was he quit his job and he switched from being a full-time employee, a salary-based employee to a contractor. His income, and he's probably listening right now, went from not doubled, but it went from 150K to 250K. So it was a $100,000 pay rise. Now, if you think about what that means, in terms of a 7 DTI, he's now able to borrow more than $700,000 extra just by switching that out. And you say more because rental income comes into it as well, Yeah, right? because his income's gone up by 100K, so he can borrow an extra 700K. But if he's borrowing an extra 700K, he's buying an investment property that has some rental income, might be another 30K. 30K yeah. And so that goes up again, and actually you're now borrowing an extra million dollars or something along those lines. 910, I think. No, because then, once it, because this is the interesting thing. So He's getting an extra $700,000, right? So he can buy a property that's worth $700,000, but then it's got some rental income. Yeah. So that increases the amount that he can purchase. But now he's buying a more valuable asset, so you get additional yield on the additional amount. So it goes up and up and up. There's actually a formula that we've written into our calculator yeah. that's quite complicated. Yeah. Yeah, look, I look that? how smug you are. I love I it when you're wrong. Because I got exactly the number right, and you just flippantly threw out a million dollars. Well, I, do you want me to put it in the calculator yeah, right yeah, now? Yeah, let's see. Let's see. Let's see who's closer, nine, ten, or one million dollars. You're just going to edit the formula. I'm watching you. Can't wait till I'm right. <laughs> so, just for context, we are going onto our calculator. Ah! <laughs> oh, that's so annoying. That is so annoying. That is so annoying. That is so. I love- <laughs> so a hundred extra hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Means an extra one million and twenty two thousand dollars. So who was closer? Yeah, no, you won that round. Yeah, that's right. I knew I was right about that. But to be fair, you've created this formula, so who knows how you've concocted that with algebra and maths, Andrew (laughs) Nickel. So some other ways to increase your income: put up your rents and also renovate your older properties to increase the yield. That's going to create some more income, so you can borrow some more money. And Andrew, what is number seven? Number seven is get money when you can. I think this is the most important thing for people to remember. People often make excuses of why they're not going to invest today. And they think, I'll do it in six months time. I'll do it in 12 months time when interest rates come down. If the bank will lend you money today, go and invest it because so many things in your life will change. You might end up having a kid. You might end up losing your job. Something will happen that might stop you borrowing money and people regret not doing it later on. And actually, didn't you tell me a story about one of our friends the other day? Yeah, so I was out having some wee drinks with old Jolene, who's a listener of the show and has been on The Slumlord. Uh, no, you're being very unkind about old That's Jolene. That's what we called her on it. You called her it. 
So I think it's we should get Jaylene back on the show yeah. because we had a good old chit chat. She currently owns properties that have 11 tenancies. I think it might be like eight properties and a couple have dual incomes. And she's got lots of debt. Now, Jolene has just gone out and got a full-time job. Previously, she'd just been living on a rental income. She's been self-unemployed for like two years now. She's probably New Zealand's youngest full-time property investor or landlord. She has just got a full-time job, though, so that she can get a loan before the new DTIs come in. Right. And so she's saying... Look, I've got all of this debt. I don't think that I'm going to be able to borrow once the DTIs come in. So I need to get a full-time job now before they come in so that I am able to go and buy some more and then I'll probably quit my job. And yeah, off the she will as well. <laughs> but do you know what? Like, I don't mean to come across as unethical. Oh, here we go. <laughs> but I was just thinking about once you get a mortgage and once you meet the rules, the banks don't take the mortgage away from you. It almost becomes their problem. So, you know, she's got to probably get this full-time job buy these properties, and within two years, she might not have a full-time job anymore. But the bank's not going to take away the 30-year mortgage because she just had to be approved at the time she applied for it. Because, of course, you're allowed to have a change in circumstance, but it just really hit me that you really do want to take the bank's lending when you can because eventually they might stop lending to you. Right, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. really does help us get the message out for more people. And hey, if you missed the webinar, we have released the webinar audio. So go back in your podcast player, have a little listen to that. It was one of our best. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Steve Knight. Nicole. We're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most in the new property market. Until next time. <laughs>